such an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this gives me a wee bit of for the, the start of it. Yeah. Right. We'll start up in Scotland. So, on the Wednesday, we had Celtic beating Hearts 3-1, Hibs getting beat 4-1 from Rangers at Easter Road, and Livingston and Dundee United drawing one each. On the Saturday, there was a full calendar of fixtures, with Motherwell getting beat in the early kickoff 4-2 by Rangers. Aberdeen beat Hearts 3-0 up at Pataudry. It was a 3-1 win for Celtic against Hibernian at Celtic Park. You had Dundee United draw with St Mirren, one each at Tanadice. St Johnston and Kilmarnock shared the spoils with a 1-1 draw down at Rugby Park. And Livingston were 2-1 winners against Ross County. Now, I know you boys were at the... Well, not you boys, because I know Robbo wasn't there, but Shannon Marty, you guys were at the, the Celtic Kibs game. How was it? For the for the time the Hibs were 10 men, I thought Hibs were defended really well. And then the, the red the red card just the red card ruined the game in my opinion. Uh, but even after that, we limited Celtic to very little. Very defensively saw that managed to get a goal, we got ourselves in front, starting to hold on to. And <laughs> Celtic are always going to come back into it against ten men. But um, I thought for near enough the whole game, I thought Hibs, Hibs were outstanding and just to only lose 3-1 against the top team in Scotland by having 10 men for over 80 minutes. And a referee, an incompetent referee like that, I thought Hibs done all right, to be fair. Sean? Um, yeah, I'd slightly echo that. I think that the refereeing decisions, the two yellows that resulted in Eli Yuan being dismissed, I mean, if you look at them on an individual basis, is you're going to you'd be struggling to find out they're both yellow guards. Um, but like Marty says, Celtic had a lot of the ball. They create chances. They they work the ball extremely quickly into the final thirds. David Marshall had to pull off a couple of decent saves. They clipped the top of the crossbar before Hibbs got a, a pretty dubious penalty. To be fair, and I was actually deeply shocked it was even given. Um, but after that, you go into the second half knowing that you're going to tire. They've got huge weapons off the bench that can come on and change games. But we held on well. We, we kept it as organised and limited Celtic as much as possible. We try and disrupt the game with changes off the bench. And, you know, the time-wasting tactics that you, you tend to find in teams that are struggling, especially at Parkhead. But once they went ahead, there was only one winner. Um, but, like Marty said, 3-1, based on the chances that Celtic actually had, was probably a fair result. But Hibs can, can come away thinking that even with the 10 men and the disadvantage that we had, we actually kind of... We've we done pretty well, to be fair, eh? so I've got to give us a bit of praise, but still a defeat. I'm not happy about it. Yeah. And Robbo, Aberdeen beating Hearts 3-0. Did she the the game at all? Uh, I caught it. I think that the minute I put a bet on, I knew that that was what was going to happen. I thought, oh, we're going to get a win here. It's going to be easy. And then <laughs> check on the bet five minutes in. Thank God, what's going on? Um, but it's typical. <laughs> that's uh, I think that's Hearts' season, to be honest. I mean, I know that they're obviously sitting third and it's um it's just a typical uh performance that's of late really. Um I think that was Aberdeen are there for the taking, especially the season that they're having. I think it was an opportunity. I think we you know, again we've against Celtic and that we but like Hibbs, I think we you know, they obviously Celtic deserve to win, but you're coming off the back of those losses, it's you know, you're you're then expecting to win, uh, or at least Put in a performance against the rest of the teams in the league, and you think it's shocking. And I think I think it was no shots on target for the whole game, which is just not acceptable, really, for a team that's sitting third. So yeah. 
Unbelievable. Did you boys see any other uh, highlights at all, Shan? I did. I've seen snippets of um, most of the games. I managed to catch the vast majority of the Motherwell Rangers game. I mean, we'll touch base on it later on, but some of the the, the VAR offside calls and the, the second yellow for the lad, it was a slattery that got sent off. Yeah. Yeah. Man alive. If you're giving second yellows for that, then, I mean, we last a sec- we, none of us would last a second in professional football, the way we play football at fives. So, nah, I'm no... I'm not particularly happy about a lot of things that were done over the weekend for the the VER calls by the officials, but I did see some of the goals, um, and yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. To be fair, there's a lot of a lot of talking points, but we'll cover it later on in the pod. I think. Yeah, happy days, right? Looking down at the scores in England on Wednesday, we had Brighton beating Crystal Palace one nil. And Brentford beating Southampton at St Mary's 2-0. Friday night, seeing Nottingham Forest getting beat from Newcastle 2-1. And on the Saturday, Chelsea and Everton shared four goals between them in a 2-2 draw. Wolves were beaten at home against Leeds United 4-2. Southampton and Tottenham shared six goals between them in a 3-3 draw. Brentford and Leicester also finished the draw one apiece and Villa beat Bournemouth 3-0 at home. And the final game of the weekend, seen Arsenal beat Crystal Palace at the Emirates 4-1. Now, there's some absolute barnstormers in there. Robbo, what was your pick of the games? I think Arsenal's game against Crystal Palace was a, was a decent game. Good to watch. I think for the all of the news with Conte, etc., I think the Tottenham game was, was one to watch because of the fact it had pretty much everything, the fact that they go ahead and then basically capitulate and, you know, it's that's their story, their season and things that are going on behind the scenes. And, yeah, I think um, a massive uh, point for Everton going against Chelsea, but I think you could probably see that coming with the fact that how Chelsea have been playing of late. Um, they, they have a lot of possession and I think it's been said on the pod before, they don't do anything with it and it's like they have no idea what it is that they're supposed to be doing or you know they, they're just trying to get the ball forward but they don't have a goal scorer as such or an out and out striker and so yeah those three games for me were probably up there Sean? I think uh, Leeds I think Leeds going to to Wolves get a massive result getting the goals again which they were sorely lacking um, huge huge win takes them no, it doesn't take them out of, the, out of the danger zone, but it does give them that winning feeling. Other than that, I think Aston Villa were pretty impressive at home at Bournemouth. A couple of goals, um, a couple of new signings starting to settle. Alex Marino at left back in particular. And then, like Robbo mentioned, I think Arsenal, another hurdle, four goals, dismantled the Palace side that were sorely lacking in any sort of confidence. So, yeah, a couple of really good wins. Really good wins. I was really impressed by Leeds. Difficult fixture. Thought they went there. I've seen the highlights. Took their goals really well. Didn't defend very well for the goals they conceded. But they look they looked good. And I I I don't know what you boys think about this player, but I think Jack Harrison is very, very underrated. I think he's a very, very good player. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Right, uh, he's very good. Right eh? Yeah. He can play central as well, but I, I think he's a better as a as a left winger. He's got a very good left foot. Everton showed a lot of fighting spirit against Chelsea. Deserved the draw for what I've seen in the highlights. 
Uh, Aston Villa, very, very good. I've, I've been impressed by Aston Villa since um, Emery's took over. They've had a couple of bumps along the way, but expect that. But in the games that they've won, they've looked really impressive. There's a lot of good games over the weekend. Yeah, and then we've also seen the FA Cup this weekend. Um, on the Saturday, Man City smashed Burnley 6-0. And the Sunday seen the other three-quarter finals with Sheffield United beating Blackburn Rovers 3-2. Brighton smashing Grimsby 5-0 and Man United coming from behind to win 3-1 against Fulham. Now, the the Man City game was pretty straightforward for them. I don't know if you boys, Shan, did you see the any of the games on the Sunday? I seen um, the, the last 25 minutes of the Sheffield United and Blackburn game and I've seen the vast majority of Man United-Fulham. Um, I thought... Yeah. Fulham handled themselves pretty well and kept United at bay for most of the game. But <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about it later on. But once the the red the red cards plural come one after the other, then it was all going to go one way. Um, Grimsby put up a decent fight in the first half against Brighton, but the young lad up front looks like an absolute force. Yeah, he does. Eh? It looks really good. To be fair, he just came out of nowhere. But again, on the Saturday, you you speak about City. Burnley could have been a, a tough task for City. In all fairness, like Burnley are looking really good in the championship. You can get see the company's got them playing pretty well. But Burnley started Alan, off well in that game, though. Yeah, but mate, good, a good thirty minutes of that, they were they were really pushing Man City. Man City were struggling at the back, yep. you know. To and then up steps Mr. Holland and just like fires uh, three goals and like quick, quick, quick lack of concentration and they're in eh? ruthless, absolutely ruthless. Marty, did you see the games? Uh, I watched the first half of Man City and Burnley on the way back from Parkhead on the phone. And like um, Robo said, the Burnley, first half an hour, they had chances. They were getting in behind City. They never really created like clear-cut chances, but they looked like they could they could score. Yeah. And then, obviously, City take over with Haaland. I didn't care what they're feeding that boy, but I'd like a wee piece of that. Like <laughs> uh, Sunday, who was like, um, Sheffield United Blackburn was a brilliant game. I watched yeah. it, mate. Cracking very, group. very good game. Blackburn more than played their part in that game. They thought they played really well and they're really unfortunate to get beat. Brighton were always going to be too strong for Grimsby, but fair play to Grimsby for putting a fight up and their support of that game was incredible. Brighton looked really good, really slick. Um, as, as for Man United, uh, up until they got the penalty, uh, Fulham were by far the better team. But United looked tired. They looked jaded. Yeah. It's like all these games are catching up with them. Yeah. And the penalty totally, totally changes it. Which obviously we'll talk about later on, but I'm just—I was just happy. I was just glad the United managed to get through. Yeah, I mean, Robo, <coughs> did you catch the games? I thought that the Sheffield United game was was really, really good. And if you're going to lose a game, I mean, that the, the goal to win it was a screamer. So, uh, just unfortunate for for Blackburn, really. Um, and yeah, I saw the Man United game as well, and I just echo everything that's just been said. Really, uh, Fulham were were decent until the point really that. Um, the sending offs happened, um, and I think if it, if it didn't happen like that, I think Man United might have struggled, possibly to to win that game. I agree. <clears throat> yeah, I agree as well. I watched the the Sheffield United Blackburn Rovers game, and it's got one of those points where I think Blackburn were two one up at the time, and they had a great chance to score. Hedges hits it off the inside of the post, and it rolls along the line and goes out just past the other post which yeah. would have seen them possibly go through 
when that doesn't go up and then Sheffield United go up and get the equaliser, I think there was only ever going to be one winner after that. But what a game that yeah. was. See, just on the Man United situation, I think it's it's I think now is coming, you know, we spoke about it or I spoke about it a few weeks ago saying about how why uh, I think Ten Hag had brought Big Horse in or what you know I'd heard and read as you know, his work creating stuff like that. It's frightening though that boy, the amount of chances he gets and the ball just doesn't seem to go in. And that really is the difference in needing somebody up front to to really help Rashford, etc., to to put the ball in the net. And I think now with the team getting tired, you're like what Marty just said, you can really see that they really need somebody that's uh, you know, a Van Nistelrooy or a, you know, a Rooney or somebody as well as uh, Rashford and you know the likes to to be able to put in ten to fifteen goals a season at least you know because you're just not going to get that from Vegas unfortunately. I think that the thing is I think with Man United if you can keep Rashford quiet and keep Fernandez quiet I mean easier said than done. But that's what Fulham did at the weekend and it yeah. totally stifled Man United. Had, they had nothing else. Yeah. Again, as Marty says, well, this could just be the case of the amount of games they played recently catching up with them with them getting to the final of the, the League Cup and winning it. Obviously, you've got the league games, you've got European competitions. They're now into the semi-finals of the FA Cup. It's been a, a long season. but I think that's just the area that, you know, if they could just add to that, then they can, you know, that would, you know, for next season, for example, that would take them that step ahead. And I think that that's where the weaknesses are starting to show now is that actually they've got quite a good squad in terms of, you know, the structure in Ten Hag and getting them organised, but actually what they lack is just that little bit, you know, of the jigsaw um, piece to, to finish it off. I need a top-class striker, like Robbo says. Me, personally, I'd love my United to go and sign Harry Kane, but it might be difficult, but I'd love United to go and sign him. That's what I was going to say. A Harry Kane, the way he brings the likes of Son into the games, yep. you would be getting that with Rashford instead, where he's... As you said, Kane would still get the goals and still have the hold up play, which is the thing very course missing. But yeah, so the, the semi final draw happened, and in the semi final, we have Man City against Sheffield United and Man United against Brighton. So, the, the big topics of the week, and we'll start off with the managerial merry go round. With our very own Liam Shanley bringing up the goods by saying he reckoned as an outside bet Patrick Vieira sat. The one thing, one that we didn't talk about off air was actually the one that they're not immediately in relegation danger because they're probably the pack, the top of that pack of nine, and the bottom is Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace. Now I think he's got a lot of clout with the fans. I think the fans are more than happy about how he's conducted himself. As manager of Crystal Palace, but they haven't. They're 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 running out of goal scorers. They're not hitting the back of the net, and they've just found themselves getting dragged into that little um, relegation battle down the bottom. Um, the only other one that looks possible this week is Conte. His uh, blowout after the three-three draw. Did you guys see his uh, interview after the three-three draw? Yeah, spectacular. What, what did you make of it, Sean? Oh, like if you listen to what he. I, don't get me wrong, I don't think he should be airing that kind of like dirty laundry in public. I, I don't think a lot of the players would be happy with him saying that there's selfish players here, nobody's trying, and we're basically spectacular and failure. But if you look at what he's actually said, he's he, he's factually not wrong. Like 
managers come and go from Pochettino to Mourinho to Nuno to himself, who've all been winners at other teams, come to Spurs, and the common common denominator for failure isn't the management, it's the players. The players consistently for 20 years are on the cusp of having a really good squad, pushing for top four, top three, Champions League final against Liverpool not that long ago, if I remember rightly. They've got a decent squad, weapons up top, decent, well, I'll say decent goalie, he's not been that good this year, but They've got, the, they've got the brand new stadium. They've got everything in place to be a team. And the players let everyone down on a consistent basis. I don't get me wrong, Connie's tactics at times are questionable. But he's not wrong with his statement. I don't think he keeps his job. But, I mean, can somebody point out the, the inaccuracies in his statement? Don't yeah. see it. Yeah, I don't think he trusts them. You know that. I think he looks at what he's got. I think he looks at his back line. And I don't think he trusts him. Hence the reason that he's like, you know what, let's just hunker in here and try and get a result. He doesn't ex- he doesn't ex- he trust his boys to go there and go and get a fourth. No. He's, he's going with what he, he's got feeling. And the problem is the players aren't good enough. And the manager, his tactics aren't suiting what the fans expect, the board expects. And it's going to end. Like we knew months ago, we said that that marriage has run its course and that Conte will leave irrespective of his sack before the end of the season or his contract just runs down to the summer. He will not start the season next year as Spurs manager. I think that's an obvious one. Eh? So, yeah, and I can't. He's, I can't. He's, uh, he's having a go at his players, and fair enough. Yep, yeah, he's, he's got right to do that. The three-one up, and then dropped to a five-four-one, invited the pressure, and they've paid the penalty for it. But he's he's changed them to the five-four-one though. Yeah, they're, going, they're doing well. Three-four-three. They're three-one up. They're scoring goals. They're creating chances, and all of a sudden he drops them back defensive. So Hampton end up getting the draw. So I think he, he's... I think he looks at it though, and he's, you know, he must panic because he's got Eric Dyer sitting in the heart of the defence, and he's going, <laughs> "That's it." And that's, you know, I think that there's a few of them in there. Ben Davis at the back is not you know, I don't think he's a top four uh, left back in club. I just yeah. think uh, if you're going to have a ping at your players, which you, if you want to do that, I think fair enough. If you want to add the owners into your rant as well, oh, fair enough. But take some responsibility yourself. Oh, aye. And he never blamed, he never mentioned any faults for himself at all yeah. in that rant. Never mentioned, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. And we need to remember that he is the highest paid manager, I'm sure, in the league. Like, you've got to take some sort of responsibility, mate. Like, they've, they've thrown money yeah. at you, they give you plenty of backing. Like yeah. I said, I just think the marriage is running his course. He must be frustrated, though. I mean, he has come out and said before that, I mean, in Italy, they obviously do things differently. And he, he had mentioned before that somebody, a spokesperson for the club, comes out to press conferences and answers questions about the direction of the club and, and different things like that. Whereas in this country, it's you know the manager just takes all of the the questions really. Um, but he ha- he does have a point in the, the fact that you can't have Pochettino and Mourinho and him and you know whoever else that, that you, uh, they've had, and yet the manager's the problem, you know. But also. You know, they've known for long enough that Levy, you know, he's a good business owner in terms of, you know, making sure that the the, the, the club generates um, enough revenue. But, you know, when deals are needing to be made and bringing in that final player, paying that extra bit of money that they need, uh, he's just not willing to do it. And that's maybe the difference. Yeah. Right, we'll move on to the next part, which is we're going to look at VAR just for a change. 
Um, there was some big decisions in Scotland Oof. and also in England. So we'll start with the, the English ones first because there's, although there are some decisions, quite a lot of them are pretty straightforward. We had the Fulham versus Man United game where William saves the ball on the line with his hand, gets sent off, and then, I mean, the referee didn't give it to start with. He went to the monitor and seen the handball, and then absolute mayhem breaks loose. Mitrovic pulls back the referee, gets sent off as well. Marco Silva goes up to the referee into the VR section, also says something he shouldn't be saying. He gets sent off. It was, uh, it was mad. Marty, what did you make of it? William handles the ball on the goal line. It's a, it's a red card. It's in the rules. If he doesn't handle it, it's a goal. No, so I didn't see what Mitrovic and Marco Silva's problem is with that. It's a clear penalty. And it just baffles me. Mitrovic's actions, it's just... Uh, what's going through his head, God knows. He's totally lost the plot and Fulham lost that cup tie in that 40 seconds. I completely agree. I think it's uh, I think it's, it's actually good to talk. I mean, the, the having the discussion about decisions that were made, I think were all made uh, correctly and VAR and uh, everything was done. Uh, it's probably an example of how it should be done. The yep. discussion then just becomes about what the... Um, you know the Mitrovic, what what the ban should be. You know what is the punishment, uh, and that is obviously something completely different. Totally agree. I think Williams trying to be clever. Um, he knows. I think he doesn't even put up a fight for getting sent off, nah. which makes me think why Mitrovic has absolutely lost his barnet. But like Robbo says, the only real decision to be made after that melee was how long will Mitrovic be banned for? That's it. I can I can almost. I could almost see somebody getting annoyed if there had been an injustice and VR hadn't been used like Mitrovic has done. If you can if you're so sure that it wasn't a penalty. But the fact that referee's gone to a screen and has seen it on the screen and has then made the decision just makes Mitrovic's reaction absolute baffling. It's bad yeah. enough getting one player sent off. Why you would then go and get another player? I mean with ten men, you never know. Fulham might have been able to hold on with the one one. Might be more of a, uh, would have kept more of a threat. But as soon as you go to two banks of four with nobody up top against Man United or Old Trafford, there's only ever going to be one result after that. Correct. Um, quick question before we move on, Bob. Um, as quickly as possible, guys. What length of band do you see Mitrovic getting? Uh, yeah, I would say has to be seven or eight games for me. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm gas. I mean, I think they they'll go for the, the is it ten? What was it? Cantona got was it uh, ten or eleven games? I think they might end up just doing exactly the same. Rest, right. of, rest of the season. I think it'll be something like Bob said. I think seven or eight. I think uh, I remember we've seen Decanio infamously like losing his heat and pushing over Paul Durkin. Was it Murray? No, it was um, the boy Lodge. Was it? Yeah, so I, lodge, I um, and then David Prutton, if I remember rightly, losing the plot for Southampton, grabs it bananas at a linesman and a referee. They got like what ten games, Marty? Prutton got a ten game ban. Tacano got an eight. Oh, Tacano got longer, I think. Nah, I'm not having that. It's no, no way. It's as bad as that. They, no. like, they two went absolutely berserk and like were hands all over a referee. This time, he's literally. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning it. No. But I say, I think Bob. I think it's near six or seven. 
I think I it's that intense. I, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they did throw the book at him to set a standard. Yeah. However, you'd be hard pressed to say it's as bad as Cantona. Cantona floating in the crowd and Kung Fu is a fan. This is not the same. Well, moving on, Bob. What have we got up north? So, up north, there was uh, a, a few decisions. I'm going to start with uh, the big one first, which was in the Hibs versus Celtic game. El Yuhan is given two yellow cards. The first yellow card is questionable at best. The second one, though, he's the one getting wrestled to the ground. He still tries to make an attempt for the ball. And because he's made an attempt for the ball, he gets a second yellow card and sent off for that. Uh, I don't think it's a sending off. I, I, when I first seen it, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And then I heard Dermot, is it Dermot Gallagher? Yeah. On Sky Sports saying, oh, you need to remember, but it's a second yellow. It's not a, it's not a red. It's the second yellow that that's why he's getting sent off. I'm like, but Carter Vickers has lowered his head and is, um, is what's his name again? Um, Johan. Johan, sorry. You know, he's, he's fallen back. He's going to try. He's going to try and play the ball. But as you're going back and you're you're, you know, you're going towards the ground and you're as your foot's coming up, what else are you going to do? And you know, and if Carter Vickers is going to lower his head down that low, it's going to happen. So I wouldn't say that you know, him trying to play it. He's trying to kick him in the head, or he's lifted his head up. Uh, he lifted his foot uh, up to head height. You know, um, I just couldn't. It's it's, it's frustrating. Um, to see these kind of things. It's one of the most ridiculous red cards I've ever seen in my life. The first jelly, it's even debatable it even touches Starfield. I don't think he, I don't think he does. I've seen it for the camera angle for behind the goals when he's chasing it. He puts his foot up, fair enough. I don't think he makes any contact with Starfield there and he goes doing like he's been shot. Hmm. Uh, the second one, he's been manhandled and wrestled by Carter Vickers. And then he lowers his head as Johan lifts his foot up to go for the ball. You're not trying to tell me that Johan's intentionally kicked him in the side of the head there. Yep. And I, Carter Brickers, have made a hell of a lot of that. And if that's the second jelly, then oh, came up. That was just a, one of a number of things that referee done on Saturday. And oh, it just makes me angry when I talk about it, to be honest. But ridiculous red card. Absolutely ridiculous. Sean? Yeah, totally echo, Marty. You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody with a slight modicum of football intelligence that will tell me that those are two yellow cards. First one, Starfield, like Marty said, minimal contact. We know they're, if there is contact, we know they're sore. We play football, right? You kick the bottom of someone's boot, you're going to get a sore one. We know that's not the debate. You try to tell me there's a yellow card, though. You've actually volleyed the bottom of someone's foot and you think that the person who's put their foot to block the back pass is worth a yellow card? Really? Okay. Then the second one, like Robbo says, He's been wrestled to the ground. Now, don't get me wrong, Carter Vickers' job is to to keep Johan in check. He, he's a big strapping centre-half. He's going to try and put his, throw his weight about. I'm not, that's not the debate. But the debate would be if he's he's pulled Johan to the ground and obviously, as Robbo said, he's lifted his leg to play the ball. He's not lifted his leg to kick Carter Vickers in the face. His head is down at waist height. There's no danger that that's a second yellow card. It's a foul for Hibs. It's simple as that. If it's anybody's foul, it's definitely for Hibs. The foul on Johan leads to the foul on, or for the the leads to uh, Carter Vickers getting kicked. So it's, it, it, aye, it's frustrating. Right. The other the other ones were in the Rangers versus Motherwell. 
there was a goal for each side, um, which both players looked offside. Uh, both goals were, were given. Uh, Marty, I'll go to you first. What was your opinion on those decisions? Um, the Motherwell one's difficult because the, the two guys in the middle, as the ball's played over the top, are offside. But the guy that runs down, I don't know who it was. Max um, Johnson. Max Johnson. If you look at the way they've drawn the lines, I don't know if it's Golton that's supposed to be playing them on or is it, uh, what's his name on the right-hand side, Tavernier? Uh, it's Golton. It go- well, apparently it's Golton, as you say, Liam. It looks close to me. Uh, and then, obviously, he puts it across the goal and Van Veen, who was offside in the build-up in the middle, but not interfering, scores the goal. Uh if, if the lines have been drawn put on on right, then it's on sides. But uh, what was the other one? The Rangers one, was it? Is that the Rangers oh. one I'm talking about? Yeah. The Rangers one. I mean, the mother of managers come out and says the lines weren't drawn straight. And it's still, it looks offside to me. But it's hard to tell. I don't know. These offside things are... It looks offside. I think both of them, both of them could have been offside, I think. I know they always said there was going to be teething problems when they brought in VAR. And you've seen it all over the place. I mean, down in England, they've had it as well. But it just seems that they're getting more decisions wrong than what they're getting right with VAR. Um, We also had Kilmarnock versus St Johnston. The ball gets played towards the back post. It goes up in the air. And Constein's arm is well above his head in a completely... You're falling backwards, your hand might go up, but I would say it as a very unnatural position. Strikes his hand, and no penalty is given. It's uh, that was I me, mean, obviously, as a St. Johnston fan, I was delighted with that one. But if I was a Kilmarnock fan, I'd be absolutely raging with that decision. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that them, which you just saying there, that um. Like obviously we knew there was going to be teething problems, right? And in England they brought it in, and there was, you know, I mean there was it's week on week controversy and or VAR this and VAR that. But I don't think that the VAR is uh, was as bad as it is currently in Scotland. And I think that it's not just the VAR that's the problem; it's the refereeing standard, and the the quality is so poor that they are the obviously it was brought in to help the referees but the referees are it's almost like they've lost all con- they, they don't know what they're doing now and the decisions that are being made are they're, they're fearful of making decisions they are they're not looking at the decisions uh, properly um, and you know sometimes it is taking you know I think it obviously comes down to individual um uh, decisions, you know, they have to make decision based on how they see it and how the game plays out, uh, not just by the rules. Obviously, yes, clear cut, you know, red uh, red cards or handballs, but sometimes it's uh, how um, how they see it. And it, but they are then relying on VAR, and nobody wants to make the decision. But they are, it's it's farcical. It's absolutely farcical. And I don't think that the Premiership has been anywhere near as bad as what this is. And I think now it's making the Premiership, the VAR and the Premiership, look like it's it's almost perfect. You know? Go, going back to that Kamaris Johnson one, Bob. How... I've seen... But from one of the camera angles, the referee's looking right at it. 
how he can't see that Andy Constantine's pammed that ball down is beyond belief. And then to make it even worse, the VR could probably look at it at different angles. And he, the person, whoever it was on VR, still doesn't think that's a handball. It's, it's, it's baffling. It's like, how can you not see that? It's, you can see Andy Constantine's face. is like, oh, I got away with that one. It's, oh, how a referee or a VR cannot see that he's handled that ball is beyond belief. Dagren, honestly. You can't tell me. I mean, like we said before on multiple occasions about what does the referee actually think he sees here? So what is it? So when the ball comes in and he sees Constein's hand well above his head and it come down off that particular arm that's well outstretched and well away from everyone else, what does he think he sees? And when it when it goes to VAR and the bayonet was slowed down, spin the angles, pinpoint exactly where the ball makes any contact with the body, what do they think they see? That's what I'd love yeah. to... Like, there's no communication between the VAR officials and any sort of public. So nobody knows what's going on. So nobody, nobody hears any conversations. Nobody's privy to any, oh, that looks like a handball. Well, you know what? Why don't tell people this? Because the problem is that there's nothing. Really. The one thing that I, I, I'm not a massive rugby fan, as you know, that at least they've got the communication between the referee yeah. and the, the, the guys in the booth. They, they can talk to each other and everyone knows what's going on. But yeah. for our game, and we've said this before, but it's not just sour grapes because none of us support the, the old firm. I genuinely think there's a, like a, a pot, like a, this game didn't particularly involve Celtic or Rangers, but there's got to be some sort of questions asked because most of the decisions, as we both know, as we all know, sorry, that they tend to favour those two teams. Mm. And the, the, the fact that there's no communication makes it easier to get away with it. And it's just it, it just reeks of like complete ineptness. It's ridiculous. But we're not even talking about what you know one controversy over the weekend where a big decision has went in favour of someone else because, and it was a poor decision. It's every single game. You could literally looking at the highlights and there's like, oh, there's three or four decisions in one game. There, you know, you're watching the next game. There's three or four decisions in another game. Yep. And they're not just little things. This is this VR. All done for me is is just highlight how poor the referees are in this country yep. and incapable of making those decisions. Uh, well, they're incapable of making decisions by themselves, and now it's highlighted that uh, VAR are incapable of assisting them in any way. Also, yep. um, it's, it's it's shock. I mean, you get the the offside parts, the lines, and whatever. I mean, they'll be whatever they're going to be, and whoever sets the lines and where they, whether they're squint or whatever. But the actual decisions, interpretation of arms being in the places that they shouldn't be, handballs, things like that, is is frightening. It's absolutely frightening. You know what baffles me the absolute most, guys, before we move on, is that you get these shows, I'm sure, like, Ricky Foster sits down with um, Stuart Dougalmar, is that right? Aye. Right? And he never once criticises his former colleagues. Mm. He's almost, like, so pro-referee that he can't see beyond the fact that one of them might have made a mistake. And that yeah. just makes it even worse, because at least if they came out and said, you know what, that's actually a really bad decision, he's got that well wrong, he should have got this, it should have been that, that should be a red, that should be a yellow. That at least yeah. you'd understand that, like, you know what? Like, they're actually at least admitting there's some sort of accountability for mistakes. But when yeah. Sure Dougal, the guy who's like was head of the referee and whatever it was in Scotland, quite high ranking, he's backing every single decision. And it, even Ricky Foster, who's a player, is looking at him and like, you, you, are you kidding me? Most of these yeah, decisions are absolutely shocking. And he's like, I can see why he's given that. And it does, as, a, as a fan, you're looking at, the guy who was a head referee in this country, and you think, start to think to yourself, what is actually going on? 
because it's just getting worse and worse, like Robbo says. It's every game, every week, and it's just ridiculous. Matt, oh, there, Matt there's, there's, sorry, sorry. Sorry, my take on it is that we always said this, that when VR was going to come to Scotland, you're still going to have the same incompetent referees who've been making mistakes for years. And I don't think it helps that the referees aren't full-time like they are down in England. I think having them being part-time isn't great for the, the top league in Scotland. But as you said, Shan, the the reason that they're almost backing up each other's mistakes by not pointing out that they're wrong. So rather than going against your pals who are other referees or trying to protect other referees by going against their decision when it's clearly wrong, it's just making us an absolute laughing stock. Mm. Now, I've seen today that the, the SFA are bringing in VR specialists to operate the technology uh, to try and end the, the controversy. What was just a quick answer here from all is with VR in Scotland, what do you reckon we should be doing? Should we bin it? Should we keep certain parts of it? Or do you think it is just a case of getting these specialists in and seeing how it goes? Shan, I'll go to you first. Um, I think they've spent too much money to get rid of it. I think, like we yeah. said before, I think they're finding excuses to use it and justify its existence. However, I think the only way you can realistically make it bearable for the fans would be to have X pros having some sort of involvement, natural football movements, natural body movements towards the ball. They're, these guys are making decisions of never being football players. Whereas guys who are ex-pros, they've got no allegiances to either side of the team. I think that their input would be much more beneficial than a guy who can, oh, I've been a referee for 20 years, but I've never kicked a ball. That, that doesn't help me. I think ex-pros would definitely help it. Cool. Marty? Keep it. Keep VR. Get better people. Get better and better trained people to run it and make Scottish referees full-time. And Robbo? I, I mean, I, if, if by bringing in the pros it's obviously going to uh, benefit, then I. But I would much rather, I would actually much rather them just referee it. Go back to them referee and I can accept a decision that a referee makes a bad decision because they've done it on the field and there is no extra help. But it's because of the extra help and then the decisions are then upheld or or whatever that is making it worse because you're like, how is another person not seeing that? And, you know, and we can all see it. And because, like you just mentioned before, that they're all standing up for each other, it makes it even worse. Um, but, I, you know, keep it if the VR professionals or the experts or whatever, whoever's coming in, um, is going to actually make a significant difference. Because, rather than just like what, um, again, what you've just said, that these uh, referees are kind of all keep, um, they've got, all got each other's backs, basically. So um, there has to be significant improvement. My, my take on it is I think they should follow the, the English model where they do make referees and full time. I yeah. think we should maybe look at having referees come out and say, who they support and who their allegiance is to. I think we should have uh, referees from other countries possibly coming in because, as we said before, a lot of the referees are being fast-tracked from juniors up to refereeing top-level Scottish games. If they've not had the, the proper backing, the proper training, enough experience, we should maybe look at trying to get referees in from 
other places who do have that experience. Should they know? So that you know, I I, I thought about this earlier in terms of you know sending the boys out to down south, for example, and should they not be doing like a bit of uh, you know some games down south or even working as a fourth official or you know along with uh, some of the more experienced ones already and then coming back uh, and like you've just said they're bringing folk from other countries to referee some of the games and and it's almost like a um, staged um, return if you like and more experience uh, in getting them because they say fast tracking folk from juniors into the Premier League isn't they cutting it they need more experience of using it Right, next thing I want to speak to, so we'll put a lid on that now, as we'll end up speaking for the next three hours on it, and I hardly <laughs> even scratch the surface. Um, is the international breaks coming up? Now, this was one that Pete mentioned earlier on the week. The international breaks seem to come along, disrupt league football, uh, maybe getting the... Your, they're not something you look forward to sometimes, especially if Scotland aren't doing well. Just now it's a difference because we're doing okay. What are your boys' takes on international breaks? Do you think we should maybe be having international football when league games aren't on? Uh, Rob, what, what's your take on the, the international breaks? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like this one here, I don't know if it's really that uh, that massive in terms of you know, the players are there's some players that are obviously or like in most camps anyway. There's a few that either they they are injured or they're you know slightly injured and they don't want to really go. So is it really worth you know disrupting a league when you're going for a run? Hearts probably need it at the moment, so it could be a bit biased and say, well, actually, probably need a wee bit of a break um, to I don't know, just take the you know uh, get that Aberdeen defeat out of the way. Um, I'm not a fan of it. If I'm honest, I think uh, there's too much. Uh, it needs to they need to cut it back a wee bit. But uh, Scotland, it's good for Scotland because they need the games, and we are doing not right at the moment. So uh, as long as the the top boys are um, are there and the teams are picked, uh, the players uh, are picked um, on merit and not just because they're uh, playing for certain teams, for example. So. Sean, what's your take on it? Um, I think that you can sometimes argue that it comes at a horrible time, especially if your team are on form, um, or if they're, or if they're badly in need of a break and they need some injuries to come back to. It can sometimes be a good thing, but for for speaking strictly strictly on Scotland, um, I'm I'm a massive fan of what how Steve Clark's taking the team forward. Like we said before, some of the international breaks can sometimes be a bit have a hard watch Scotland aren't in a great place we're not winning games we look poor crowds are poor but this time around we've got Cyprus and Spain at home albeit both um, huge fan looking forward to both games and it's, it's a good time to be a Scotland fan Do you think there could be a, a difference of when they, they play these games as we said we're getting towards the, the business end of the season you've got yeah. quite a few people dropping out not just for Scotland but for other countries as well where Teams that are maybe struggling down the bottom are wanting to keep their players fit. Yeah. Teams at the top are wanting to keep their players fit, obviously, because they've got the trophies to play for. No, I agree. I think that we play too much international football as it is. I think with um, World Cup, World Cup qualifiers, Euros, Euro qualifiers, Nation League qualifiers, there's an awful lot of football getting played. I think that the players, the guys at the top who are making 
a lot of coin out of selling TV rights and yada yada to go with it. Only taking players like physical capabilities into any consideration here. You can't exactly expect players at top level to play 75 games a season across all formats. It's impossible. But it is what it is. Um, I don't think that I think we played too much, but like I said, for as a Scotland fan, um, I'm looking forward to the games coming up as much as it's a bit of a change of scenery for the for the week. But yeah, for for now, if we're Scotland are playing poorly, I find it I find it difficult to get in, get into the the international breaks. But this time, I'm um, fairly looking forward to it. Marty, what's your take on? Well, I think uh, before the season even starts, the clubs know what the international dates are going to be. So you've got time to deal with it. You know exactly what you're going to have to do during that time when your players are away. So it's not really, it's not like it's going to get changed. So you just have to deal with it. Uh, on the Scotland side, like Liam says, I'll be at the Cyprus game with Liam on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. I really like the way that Steve Clark has his playing and I can't really see Cyprus being much of a problem. Spain will be a harder game. Uh, but as for the international break, it's... They know they already know these dates. You just have to deal with them. I, th- I think it's known the dates and known it's coming around. I think that's that's fair enough. I just think, I mean, if Hibs were towards the the bottom of the the league, or if they were chasing for, well, they are chasing for maybe third spot. Um, if Kevin Nesbitt was in the squad and was to pick up an injury, and that would maybe mean Hibs wouldn't get third spot. Would this not be something that? annoyed you or do you think it's just part and parcel and we just have to, to suck it up and get on they're with it they're not getting front anyway so they're probably alright right? <laughs> you can save that comment Bob you can edit that out <laughs> what do you think Marty yeah well that is one thing I don't like is uh, players going away and actually doing coming back injured it's, but then that's just the chance you take that's football <laughs> People compete as football. Yeah. People get injured in football all the time. Doesn't matter if you're in training, playing five a size with your pals, playing playing uh, league uh, club football, playing uh, internationals. Doesn't matter. You get injured all the time, but it is a pain. But again, you just international football is there. You just have to deal with it and get on with it. I think it's exciting time to, to uh, you know, albeit that Scotland are not world beaters, but it's an exciting time to play for Scotland at this moment in time. And uh, with the likes of like McGinn and. Um, even Adams at Southampton, you're, you're, we've got some decent players. Um, Robertson at Liverpool, uh, Tierney. Um, you know these obviously big clubs, and they've all got different, you know, arguments to say. Well, Tierney's pushing for to win the title, and um, Southampton, Adams is Southampton are you know trying not to get relegated and things like that. But if I was one of them, I'd be dying to play for Scotland right now. Um, you know, because they're in, because they've got that good momentum. That to say, the footballs Scotland are playing some really good football uh, at this moment in time, and it's trying to keep that going. You know, and bringing the other boys through. We don't want to be one of those countries where players are not. Oh, I'm not really bothered about going to this campaign. I'll get the next one, or I'll play the next friendly, or whatever. Like that. We want everybody to be ch- chomping at the bit to try and get on that park. Um, so it is good for Scottish football, though. And Shan, you said you're going to the Scotland Spain game. I am, yes. What a what a way to lead us into European road trip. What's been happening in Spain, mate? Well, that's a very good link, Bob, to be fair. Well played to you. <laughs> um match day twenty-six in La Liga started on Friday night. 
uh, with Athletic Club beating Real, uh, Real via the lead 3-1 away from home. Notes of um, Games with notes of interest would be Atletico Madrid, Hammer and Valencia 3-0. Atletico are playing out their skin just now, smashing everyone around them. Title chase is too far out of their reach, but they'll definitely get third by the looks of it. Um, Betis beat uh, Mallorca 1-0 home with a goal from Borca. Villarreal, great result away. Osasuna with a 3-0 victory. Poi saves Kiki Seti and his job. A man who didn't keep his job was Jorge Sampaoli, who lost his job after Sevilla were defeated 2-0 away to Hitafe. And the big game at the end of the week was, of course, Barcelona defeating the closest rivals, Real Madrid, 2-1 with a late Franck Kessie goal. That leaves Barcelona now 12 points clear of their nearest rivals, Real Madrid's Atletico in third. And the bottom three still consists of Valencia, Almeria, and the, lack, the luckless Elche rock bottom. Sorry, mate, before we go on to Italy, did you see the highlights from the Rio game? The guy missing the penalty? The guy missed a penalty. I don't know if you boys have seen it. Seen it. No. The boy misses the penalty. So, and there's an infringement in the box. The guy that clears the rebound had gone into the box. So they then have to retake it. And they tried to do what Henri and Perez did, where Henri lays it off to Perez and with almost the same sort of outcome, the boys smashed it over the bar. And uh, it's only when they're winning, I think they were 2-1 up at the time, or 1-0. Yeah. I mean, fair enough if you're 4 or 5 nil up, trying a penalty to a team like that. But aye, absolute comical. So funny to watch. Some yeah. goals in that game as well. Absolute corkers of goals. Yeah. Mari, what's happening in Italy? Uh, results started on Friday. Atlanta beat Empley 2-1. Uh, Saturday, AC Milan lost to Udinese 3-1. Uh, Sunday, Sampdoria won at home. Bob, there you go. They scored three goals as well. Oof. Yeah, no. There's nosebleeds double, everywhere. Double the tally for the year. Yeah, there's nose, <laughs> nosebleeds in the stands everywhere. <laughs> uh, Napoli's train keeps going. Uh, they're 1-4-0 against Torino. Uh, Lazio beat Roma in the Rome derby where there was three red <laughs> cards. Uh, I can't remember who scored the goal, but it was a good goal. And Inter Milan lost at home to Juventus, one 0 And if there's one team I didn't like Inter losing to, it's them. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the standings: Napoli are now nine, nineteen points, nineteen yep. points in front of Lazio. Inter third, AC Milan fourth, Roma and Atalanta in the European spots, and the bottom three is the same: Verona, Sampdoria, and Cremonese. And the next fixtures will be after the international duty, so we'll cover them next week on the pod. Cool. There you go, Bob. And what's been happening in Germany, Shan? Um, so match day 25, sound the alarm, Bayern Munich are not top of the league. We have Borussia Dortmund, they defeated Cologne at home at 6-1 uh, on the Saturday. That was followed up on the Sunday by Bayern going to Leverkusen and getting beat 2-1. And what we've seen was an example of how VAR should be used. Bayern Leverkusen got two penalties. At first glance, they were both given as two dives and two yellow cards for the players. Upon review, both of them were given as penalties, which they're both taken and scored by Palacios. So 2-1 to Leverkusen against Bayern, which keeps them off top spot. Um, Union Berlin and Freiburg are in third and fourth, respectively, down the bottom of the table. Stuttgart have dropped to the bottom. Schalke second bottom, and Hertha Berlin are in the playoff relegation space. Now, as we said, there's no league football this week. We have the international break 
where Scotland play Cyprus at the weekend, and then in midweek we play Spain. You boys fancy giving us a wee prediction with Rus? I mean, I'll give give you score predictions, results and score predictions for both the games. Robo, we'll go with you first. Uh, Scotland to beat Cyprus, um, but I think it'll probably only be a two two nil job. Um, I want to say that we'll give Spain a good a good go. Um, I think we may score, um, but I think they probably win. Uh, I'm going to go two one Spain. Marty, I think we'll beat Cyprus quite comfortably, three uh, 0 and. I actually think we'll draw with Spain. I don't think Spain will like coming to Hamden to play against us. And I think Scotland might get a draw at that. What's the score of the draw, though? Oh, um, I think Scotland will. 1-1 uh, or 2-2. 1-1. 1-1. There you go. Sean? Um, same, I think. Um, I think Scotland take apart Cyprus pretty easy. We're maybe not going to hammer them, but I think like either what Robbo said, 2-0 or Marty, 3, I think Scotland win comfortably. And I think I agree with Marty. I think Spain will fancy coming to Scotland. I think they're, they've got a brand new coach in charge. He's maybe not found what he what he fancies in terms of formation and set up players um, in the squad. I think Scotland might jump on that chance. I think Scotland's got a draw. I think one all. Nice. Right. My score predictions are I'm going to go for a wee goal and say 4 1 for Scotland against Cyprus and against Spain. My heart really wants to say a draw or even maybe nick it. My head saying a Spain win. So we'll go for it. We'll go in the middle. We'll go for a draw. And we'll go for a, a wee nil-nil draw. Be happy with that. Right. And that leaves us on to performance of the week. Who has taken your fancy this week? Is it a team... Or has it been performance by a single person? Uh, Shan, let's start with you this week. Um, I was going to go Leeds. Um, four goals away from home against a relegation rival and picking up a massive three points. However, I'm going to go totally left field, Bob, because you, you know I like the left field ones. Definitely I'm going not. to give it to Kieran Trippier. You know why I'm going to say this, eh? I don't know if you've seen the penalty that uh, Isaac scored in the last minute. Kieran Trippier picks up the ball. Everyone gathers around them, try to put them off. The goalie's in his face. The players are getting yellow cards for so trying to wind them up. And as soon as the ball's about to be struck, he literally just turns around. And Alexander Isaac, who's been standing at the edge of the box, minding his own business, none of the stress, none of the drama, gives him the ball. He puts it down. He's completely free of any sort of drama. No one in his face tucks it away. Proper captain's, proper captain's job. I love that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Robo, let's go for you for the... Uh, Antonio Conte for his press conference. Um, <laughs> no, no um, I'm going to go Sheffield United um, just with the, the dramatic. I think it was a really good FA Cup tie, and uh, the goal that they scored to win it was uh, was a banner. And Marty, uh, Liam, you said you were going to go Leeds, eh? Yeah, uh, I am taking Leeds. I thought Leeds were that was a really good result for them, and uh, in a pressure game to score four goals at Wolves, which not many teams have done. Um, that's, that's a good result for Leeds and I'll, that's my performance of the week, Leeds. Right, my performance of the week is going to be the, the referee in the Celtic versus Hibs game. 
Uh, my performance of the week will go to Robbie Nielsen. South- <laughs> 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 will go to Southampton. I think when you're towards the bottom of the league and you go three-one down against Tottenham, now as we said, Tottenham made it pretty much their own downfall by switching formation when they were they were quite comfortable. But I still think it shows some amount of cojones uh, to be able to be three-one down and get back to three-three and scoring a penalty in added time always makes that a little bit sweeter. And as James Ward-Prowse says when he came off the pitch, he says it it felt like a win rather than just a point. So, again, yeah. it gives him a bit of momentum and makes the, the bottom of the table that, that bit tastier with all the results going on this weekend. Yeah, good choice. So, boys, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for your time, boys. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Enjoy the international break. Take care, guys. Take care, guys. Take care, guys. Yeah.